I legitimately cannot do it anymore. And I, I put I put my stuff in a box. It's in my basement. And I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I, I don't know. I might just stay down there. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Every week, John, John Fraser. Fraser. To me, if this isn't rock bottom for the Bombers, I don't know what is. And Travis Cura. Who would win between the world's fastest cow, the CFL Rabbit, or Brandon Banks? We'll deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Bad pizza's better than good salad, right? It's true. <laughs> it, it, it really is. Just like bad wings are, are better than most anything in the world. Can't forget the nonsense. Ready, set, hook Welcome to episode 42 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. I know we had technical difficulties last week, uh, but that uh, yeah, epi- that, that, that is all 100% your fault. <laughs> Own it, Travis. Episode 40 ended up becoming the most downloaded episode of Two and Out ever. <laughs> That's because you put it up twice as episode 40 and 41, and the people were getting mad, and people were like, we need our new Two and Out, and there was pitchforks, and you know what you were doing? Sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am, I'm like, all I'm doing is putting up tweets because I'm like, ah, there's literally nothing I can do because you don't trust me with the password for Podbean and I didn't have the physical copy. So realistically, kind of all your fault. For good reason, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fair. No, that's I would find some way to screw it up worse than you did last week. It's Travis Curra and John Fraser. Hope you had a good Canada Day long weekend slash 4th of July long weekend, depending where you're from. John, I trust you had a good uh, Canada Day? I go to a little thing called Engelfeld Hogfest every... It's the last weekend of June slash first-ish couple days of July. It is sacred. I literally do absolutely nothing but enjoy myself, have some brewskis, and have a good time. At one point, you texted me, and I just realized that you texted me while I was a couple beers deep asking me to find a guest for this week's show, and Travis, I... um. I just literally remembered right now while I was talking about what a good time I had at Hogfest. Brazilian Thai was there. It was uh, it was good time. So um, you screwed up last week, and I screwed up by not booking a guest. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, you got this. You you got connections here. Uh, let's get them on next week." And uh, you texted back, "Ah, I'll deal with it when I'm not on holidays." And I'm thinking, <laughs> "Well, that will be in September, I guess." <laughs> Well, yeah, I kind of take a lot of, I don't do a lot during July, so, hey, completely my fault and understandable. Okay, let's let's just get right into things, because I have a feeling that your man card is going to be stripped by the end of this show. Why? Uh, For what? Because of your rant that you have coming up. You warmed me. How was, how was that a man card taking away situation? Well, that's what we call a tease. The- <laughs> well done. <laughs> Let's do the news. Brought to you by Bomb Energy Drink. In the huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two It Out podcast. All right, so the news is brought to you by Bomb Energy Drink. Make sure you follow them uh, on Twitter, The Bomb Nation, proudly Canadian energy drink. You can get their stuff online, which is awesome, shop.drinkbomb.com. I'm not sure if they ship Canada Post. That might be something you want to look into. I've already gone through the first case of Bomb, and I'm now needing the second case. So I'm really hoping that they ship, like, 
carrier pigeon or gopher or FedEx <laughs> or something. <laughs> Make sure you check them out. Uh, uh, hopefully Canada Post gets their crap together uh, as well. So the bomb of the week, it has to be Deron Carter. Yes, I would absolutely say so. I mean, <laughs> that was a new level of stupid. I've never seen any, like, I can't remember if I've seen anything like that. I love the fact that he's trying to, he alluded to it a little bit in an Instagram post basically saying, oh, I wish I could remember that because I got hit on the head. And again, I get it. Head injuries are serious. I've had several of them. But normally when you have a head injury, you kind of feel woozy. You don't really know where you're at. You just kind of want to lay there and you don't feel so good. You don't want to get up and push another human being down and do some sort of strut through an army of other, like, I honestly don't know what he was thinking. Um, I know there were some people speaking out in support of uh, Rick Campbell to say that, oh, yeah, you know, he, he he was out and he was watching the scoreboard. If you watch that in slow motion, man, like oh, Campbell, yeah. Campbell, he, he looked like a soccer player there. He looked like he was playing for one of those 12-tier MLS teams that you hear so much about these days. I just, should Campbell have been standing there? Maybe, maybe not. Should Campbell have dove? Maybe, maybe not. Should Carter have initiated contact in the first place? Absolutely not. It's dumb. I know a lot of people were talking about kicking him out of the league and, and this big dramatic suspension, and it needs the ban hammer needs to come down. He made a stupid play. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got lit on fire. It's a black mark in the league. It doesn't look... To say it doesn't make the league look good, I think, is stupid. It makes Deron Carter look stupid. Yeah, I don't think that tarnishes the league's reputation at all. If anything, it brought more attention to the league, which is sometimes that happens for all the wrong reasons. You remember a few years ago, it's always a play I like to reference, uh, when the Argos and the Owls were playing and they had the battle trying to get the Rouge at the end when Toronto was punting it out. That was being shared everywhere because that only happens in the CFL. Much yep. like this, I, I, I don't think this only happens in the CFL, but it's the only place I, I can remember seeing this. I know in the NHL uh, this year, Dennis Weidman nailed the ref, but yep. I don't think we've ever seen uh, a coach get run into like this. And you're right, nobody got hurt. If anybody got hurt on the play, it is Deron Carter. Is that a legitimate question that, he had no idea what he was doing because he got crushed on that play. He did. It was a head hit. But, again, as a guy who's had head injuries, I can tell you there are moments you don't really know what you're doing. But if it's severe enough that you don't know what you're doing, typically you are, like I said, you're down on the ground. You don't feel very well. That's kind of the first things. You know, you kind of have this moment of, of, of foggy brain almost where you're like, okay, where am I? So kind of you like what we saw with Weston Dressler the week before. Well, absolutely. Or to give you an example um, from my playing career when I was a goalie, I I think I was about 15 years old and I took a knee to the side of the head while trying to poke check somebody. I was uh, KO'd on the ice, got back to my feet, and I was woozy through the rest of the game. Now, apparently, I, I finished the game, and we won the game, but I thought afterwards, I thought that only two periods had passed because I couldn't remember playing the third period. Wow. Um, you hear lots of cases of, of, of guys like that, memory loss, things like that. You know, Weidman, I, he said he was... But, I mean, even the Dennis Weidman situation, you can see he's woozy, he's rattled. You know, he used I was shaken up as a defense. Deron Carter gets to his feet and does that weird, like, dancey, high-steppy thing 
all the way through the all caps bench on the way back to his bench and you know he's getting pushed and shoved and he knew what he was doing i mean he does a beeline for he does a beeline for rick campbell and he does a beeline he gets pushed into the bench he doesn't make an effort to get out of there he just keeps walking it's it was a strange play i must find it more strange than malicious really i mean for a guy to get pushed into a bench or just keep walking it was like you know, I mean, you could tell he was jacked up by the touchdown. He was jacked up, and, you know, maybe he had adrenaline flow, and I don't know what was going through his head. Obviously, not a lot at that moment to go ahead and, and make that <laughs> boneheaded play, but, again, to, to, to talk about, I think one game is fine, right? I mean... I think they I got it right. I would agree. I haven't read a lot of the CBA. I haven't gone through all, all the nitty gritty, but there was some people and I forget where I read it, but some people were saying the maximum suspension under the CBA is either two or three games. Yeah, I think it's two games. So the most you can sit out is two games. Essentially you gave half of the maximum suspension. I look at okay, let's go back to the famous Jose Bautista when he got punched in the in the face by Odor. Yeah. He missed about his suspension cost him about five percent of his season. A one game suspension is approximately five percent of Deron Carter's season. I think it's the right call. I think this league got it right, and I know the league took their time to make sure they got it right. You did a little bit of reading today. Turns out they they spoke to all the parties involved over the weekend. They looked at video over the weekend and came to and came and made a good decision. Because realistically, I mean, the Alouettes, the the game Carter suspended for this wasn't a pressing issue. It's not like they're back at practice today. No, they're in their bye week. They had time to get it right. I think they did. Yeah, I had a head injury playing football. Once too, I oh uh, look at that! I can't even speak right now. I, uh, <laughs> I was playing a defensive line. It was grade nine, and we went to camp, and we're playing against the seniors. And uh, they, oh, they, they figured me out. Those bastards in Wainwright. <laughs> they would uh, have the the center and the left guard on me, and then their fullback would crush me. And man, he knocked me on my ass after a headshot and I had to get up and call the huddle and I had no idea where I was. Am I in Athabasca or where am I? <laughs> am I in Ardrossan? Yeah. Am I in Wainwright? No, it's it's funny because you're right. Generally, you know, to use the use the oh i had a head injury as as a defense, it, it just doesn't pan out. I mean you and I have both been there and like you said, you don't really know what's going on, but typically you're not going to just march into another team's bench. So I think it was ill-advised. I think it was egocentric. I think it was dumb. Um, but, hey, man, like you alluded to, any publicity is good publicity, whether it's negative, whether it's positive. And, hey, anything that gets you on SportsCenter ain't a bad thing. Well, I mean, and I, I think that the, the new eyes on the game with DraftKings and DFS, they probably loved it. Oh, 100%. You love a guy doing something a little bananas and standing out and, and making more of a name for himself. I mean, everybody knows that he's Chris Carter's son. I mean, yeah. he's, he's got that reputation in the States. I, I Again, I've never seen – it was the same thing, and I'm sure you've seen the highlight. We There was an incident in the National Cross League this year uh, where a goalie, I believe it was Dylan Ward, or was it Alex Bouquet, came out and just crushed um, – Oh, I, Carson Leung from the Calgary Roughnecks. And everybody's seen that video a million and one yeah. times. The goalie just ran out and absolutely demolished him. <laughs> and I had the same discussion with my NLL counterpart saying, you know what? Hey, it 
got us on Sports Center, so you really can't complain that much. <laughs> well, and people say what they want about the coach. I think Carter, even if Campbell wasn't there, he was going to get a reaction from Ottawa either way. And we might be seeing more of this happen. We saw it last uh, year. Odell Willis got benched because he took a stroll through Ottawa's bench. Yep. So yep. when when they have the benches on the same sideline, this is only just the beginning, I think. Oh. Oh yeah, you're going to see some shenanigans with those double bent the this the same sideline. Like uh, I couldn't imagine what would go on between those two <laughs> benches in a sport like football with nothing really to separate them. I mean, again, I the the venue I do junior lacrosse play by play in, we're right behind the benches. It, it, the penalty boxes in between the two sides, and man, the shouting, the yelling, the things <laughs> that you hear in between there. Like now, amplify that by twelve. You know, if a penalty box really sitting beside you, it's, yeah. Uh, and you're right. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe the league has to look at you know putting some sort of neutral zone spray painting it in bright fluorescent pink so nobody goes into it, or you know maybe ensuring finding a way to make sure that guys don't do this because, like you said, you know this has happened to Ottawa twice. I'm not blaming the Red Blacks. That is far from it. I'm just no. saying that you know what that maybe the league this incident similar to this have now happened twice maybe they need to take a look at what's going on over at uh, TD place uh and some other shenanigans last week it, it, i guess it kind of came out uh when the riders depth chart came out and Sean Lemon was listed not as a starter but then they kind of said oh we're rotating defensive linemen it's not a big deal the starter doesn't mean anything and the story also came out that the riders are looking to trade Sean Lemon because he's not happy he he doesn't like the Chris Jones style of defense where he needs to drop back in a pass protection and we saw this in uh, Toronto Ricky Foley wasn't happy uh, when Jones was there in 2012 he didn't want to be dropping back and doing pass coverage these guys want to rush the quarterback that's all they want to do sean lemon got his wish got traded to toronto okay so here's the thing jones from day one when he signed lemon laid it out there i'm gonna rotate linemen you're gonna have some pass coverage right it's a chris jones defense you know this going in what the hell were you thinking you were gonna get I know you're a good player. Sean Lemon's a very good defensive lineman. There's no doubting that. But you go through training camp. You sign with the team. This wasn't a trade situation. You signed with... And it wasn't like you were promised something else because the coach and GM in Saskatchewan are the exact same guy. And you know defensive philosophy had to be negotiated. And if that wasn't talked about, well, then you're a bit of a dumbass. <laughs> oh, yeah. But but really, if you're if it's the same thing with a job interview with any one of us, I mean, you're going to ask, what are you expected to do? They're not going to take one of us radio guys. You're not going to blindly show up at a job interview and find out that it's for tuxedo making. Like you're, you're going to ask these questions, and you, and again, some of the rumblings go back to training camp that he wasn't happy with the rotations and he wasn't happy with the schemes, but. Again, you're the guy that chose to sign here. You, nobody forced you to come to Saskatchewan and play for Chris Jones. Uh, he plays the same defense no matter where he goes. You could have called up Odell Willis. You could have talked to your agent. You think you'd have this conversation at some point. Obviously, Lemon didn't. And then it looked like the Riders got some fair value for him. But then, well, 
<laughs> is it, is it well, coincidence that both riders and retirement start with the letter R these days, well, Travis? I, I don't even know if they got fair value for him. They gave him an $85,000 signing bonus. That's a lot of money. And, and that goes against the cap. Yeah, and, and props to Lemon. Tell me if I'm wrong here. He's had one great year in his career. One. 2014. He was pretty, he was pretty good last year, too. He he was once he came back from the NFL he was pretty good. He was pretty good last year, but he had the 13 sack and eight force fumble year in 2014. You know what? He was he was pretty good. He he pretty much had the same numbers if you paced him out over 18 games last year in Ottawa. Uh, and he actually had a forced fumble <laughs> for his game in Saskatchewan, his only game uh, yep. in Saskatchewan. But he gets traded for offensive lineman from Toronto, Matt Sewell. What was the other piece in the deal? It was uh, Mitchell Gale, the back, uh, one of the, uh, Toronto's backup quarterbacks. Yes. Which of course, is a position of great need right now in Saskatchewan, in my humble opinion. So it looks like a good trade, and then Matt Sewell decides to, yeah, retire. Now, I, okay, couple of thoughts. For one. Toronto has a guy, Toronto's a team that starts two Canadians as offensive line and decided he was expendable. Now, Matt Sewell is a guy who has had some NFL interest, but it's very clear he wants to stay at home. And I can't blame him for this. I mean, football is the kind of game you got to think, A... He's probably he's probably got some sort of side job down in Ontario. I believe he's from Milton, Ontario, that actually he makes decent money. You know, you're asking a guy to uproot. This isn't like, Travis, when you get a job offer. I know you've bounced around a little bit. You were in Lloyd, then Cold Lake, and then here in Saskatoon and now in Red Deer. When you get that job offer, you know, unless you colossally, colossally screw up, you are going to remain in that place for a little while. Yep. You're asking a guy in Matt Sewell to come to Saskatchewan on the promise that, you know what, hey, we could release you at any time. So you're asking a guy who's lived his entire life in southern Ontario to uproot, change everything about him, find a place in Regina, change his life, do everything, maybe leave some sort of side job or side arrangement he's got, leave his family for the chance that, you know what, you could be cut in two weeks. And I get it. That's part of being in pro football. And I get it. But the people that are out there on Twitter today calling him a pussy and calling him, you know, oh, I can't believe you did this. You know, what kind of a man are you? Like, how the hell are you questioning a guy's manhood? I mean, if anything, you should be questioning whoever made this decision for the Rough Riders. Well, like, let's, <laughs> let's not let's not blame the guy who's made it abundantly clear he doesn't want to leave Southern Ontario. This is a guy who in 2013 at the Combine, according to Justin Dunk, who knows a thing or two, Dunk said that he was telling teams at the Combine, I only want to play for Toronto or Hamilton. I want to stay where I'm from. This is a guy who was offered an NFL deal. A contract was on the table from the National Football League he asked out of that contract, he asked to be released by Tennessee, not so he could go to the CFL, so he could stay and play for McMaster. Toronto takes him in the first round, plays a, plays a couple of years with Toronto. He decides, you know what, this is where I'm happy. I'm happy in southern Ontario. You know, I don't know how you ignore this fact when you're trading for the guy. Unless this was just a matter of the only offer they could get for Sean Lemon because it's starting to look more and more like he might be a bit of a head case. And you just took the deal thinking, we're going to try to convince him to come here. Whatever didn't work out, so what? Well, my thinking here is, uh, 
Jim Barker has burned Chris Jones the uh, past couple times here, and I don't think it's on purpose, but Bruce Campbell retired. Uh, now Sewell is retired. Uh, Shea Emery comes and plays a half of football, and that that's out of their control. I understand that. Yeah, yeah. But, Emery was a completely different situation. But the Argos, they start four offensive linemen, including two or four Canadian offensive linemen, including two Canadian offensive tackles. Yeah, that's what I meant when I said two. Yeah, yeah my so, bad. So to be able to trade a guy that's a Canadian offensive tackle, doesn't that show you what Toronto thinks of him as a player? A hundred percent it does. And to me, I don't think we should be blaming the player who's made it abundantly clear where he wants to play. And he has his right to say, I only want to play for these two teams or I'm going to retire. I mean... Anybody has their right to do that. Let's face it. The CFL isn't really paying guys that much that it's worth their while. You know, you talk about, you know, you. I saw lots of, oh, you never see this in baseball. You never see this in pro hockey. You never... Well, no, is Sherlock. Those guys are making five to six million dollars a year. They can suck it up. But for a guy like, what, what do you think he'd be making? 60, 70 grand? Well, he's probably a practice roster guy, so maybe less. Exactly. You're looking, if you're the practice roster, you're talking like hundreds of dollars a week. So who can blame a guy for saying, I want to continue living at home when I could end up on a practice roster and make basically nothing for the year comparatively? It's, I don't blame the player. Don't blame him one bit. I mean, this is a guy who's made abundantly clear. I'm wondering, you know, who pulled the trigger and who didn't do their research. And maybe they knew. There's a real good chance that they knew because you got to think when when the reports come out that Sean Lemon wants a trade and he's quickly I can very I can tell you he's very quickly getting a reputation of being a little bit of a handful. Oh yeah. And so you've got a guy who's a bit of a handful who wants out after one game. You think the other 8 GMs in the league are going to do you a little bit of a favor? Absolutely not. So maybe that was maybe that was the best that they could get. Well, they saw what happened in Ottawa. Lemon says, no, I'm going to the NFL. He signs with Saskatchewan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like so but you, so Chris you know Jones going back to Ottawa. Chris I mean, Jones at the same time, he uh, he took a guy under his wing in Odell Willis, where a lot of people thought that this guy was never going to stick in one place. He was never going to be a, a leader. And yeah, he still takes a lot of penalties, whether they're offside or whatever like that. He gets fired up. But I would argue that Chris Jones was able to get to Odell last year and turn him into a great, consistent player and leader in Edmonton. Maybe he thought the same was going to happen with Lemon. No, and you're exactly right. I mean, that is exactly maybe why he signed him. He thought he could change him, and I'm sure they had that discussion on defensive philosophy. I just, like, I I don't know. I I just don't think that, that if you did any kind of research, it's pretty easy to see. Like, we're talking the Justin Dunk article, you know, was from 2013 about him wanting out of his out of his contract with the Tennessee Titans of the NFL. It just it it makes no sense if you if you if you if that was that might have been like that's why I'm thinking Jones and and the Ryder Brass are very smart people. Either they made a colossal mistake and didn't do their research, or that's all that was out there for Sean Lemon, and you had to take what you can get in the hopes that, you know what, maybe you can flip him back to Hamilton if a, if a couple Canadians go down. But, I mean, <laughs> and I, I, I shouldn't laugh because right now 
because of things that happened today, Williams goes down with a serious-looking knee injury or a leg injury, gets carted off the field at practice. Brendan Labatt apparently hurts himself at his house. How much would the Riders love to have one of those two guys, either Sean Lemon or Sewell, in the deal right now because they need uh, – Chris Best is already on the six-game uh, six injured list. Like, they need defensive linemen after today, and they need offensive linemen. So, oof. Not feeling too good about my prediction all of a sudden. All of a sudden, Josiah St. John might be on the field soon. <laughs> he, he might be. They might not have an option. I know he missed all of training camp. They finally got the deal done last week. I, I, I don't wish anyone to have their first start against Edmonton, and I don't think he'll get any playing time unless there's a lot of injuries, but he but, might But they're, they're piling up. I mean, they've already lost Chris Best, and now Brendan Labatt's apparently banged up. We don't know how bad. So it might be a case of here comes Josiah St. John. <laughs> like, wow, congrats. Here's your first start against the Edmonton Eskimos. Have fun. Darian Durant is... Uh, He's praying right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I am, uh, I got to say, I don't think, just with those injuries right now, I don't think I'm touching Durant with a 10-foot pole on DraftKings this week. Oh, let's all have a moment of silence in the meantime for all those members of Ryder Nation that got a Sean Lemon jersey. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, at least, at least the jersey, that is like... Jersey luck that's that's about as bad as me. Um, you have a Dinwiddie. Have, well, the Dinwiddie jersey was a joke. The he Dinwiddie actually jersey played. was uh, like I got the Dinwiddie jersey. I said to you and some of our other buddies, flat out, if they make the Grey Cup, I will get the backup quarterback's jersey. Um, but he actually gotta, started in the Grey Cup, <laughs> and he did, and he didn't win. But that, but that, you know what? It's all in the past because right now, Travis, I can tell you, I took. Every piece of bomber gear I had, and I put it in a box, and I put it downstairs. I might, I might give it a chair. I don't know what to do with it now. I'm just, I'm done with the team. Okay, we, we will talk about this once we get to the game. Some positive news before the expose. Uh, I think this is cool from Ottawa. They are planting trees for every time uh, they score a touchdown this year. I actually put the call out on uh, Twitter. Uh, there's nothing to talk about this week. What should we talk about? <laughs> I saw that. And, and then uh, it went nuts. I was like, wow, well, this is going to be a three-hour uh, uh, three podcast. But uh, Jax ended up uh, tweeting us. And I think this is really cool. Of course, they cut the trees every time uh, they, they score one. So uh, they, they might do. as well plant one. And uh, I, I, I'm just thinking that Ottawa is hoping to play Edmonton a few more times. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a lot of trees getting planted if they... Uh, they keep that up. No, I think it's a. I think it's a cool idea. I like it. Uh, I like seeing charitable initiatives tied to success on the football field. Medlock and Winnipeg's doing the same thing. The Red Blacks now is a team doing it. Hey man, all the power to them. Uh, we also got asked to um, ask Brazilian Ty about his drought as well. So I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I think Ty has told the story on this podcast of his Grey Cup romance, uh, but I think he actually. He actually just told that girl to leave him alone. So I don't. <laughs> Before we get to the expose, we will hear uh, <laughs> getting waxed. Let's talk about some uh, transactions very quickly. Brett Smith, Tristan Jackson, Nick Grigsby all sign in Ottawa. Uh, Tristan Jackson could actually start at kick return. 
kick returner. And uh, Moses Madu this year, or week, could start at running back with Trayvon Van being put on the six-game injured list. Uh, Alex Hoffman-Ellis is now an Edmonton Eskimo. He didn't see any time uh, with Hamilton. He just lost the job to uh, Larry Dean, uh, I-, I believe. But he looked good last year in BC, filling in for uh, Solomon Elamimian when he went down with the Achilles injury. So does Hoffman Ellis and Edmonton kind of mean that maybe they're they're not going to set money aside for uh Hinoch Muamba? I would I would assume so that or they're looking at him as a development project who can learn and grow. I mean, he showed some tremendous upside in BC last year. I got him late in a couple of my drafts, and that made me pretty happy. Um, but to see him dealt, I hope yeah. he sees the, the field in Edmonton. I mean, you know, obviously they're taking a serious look at him. Uh, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know if, if anybody's going to have the cap space even to go over after Henock. Well, maybe Saskatchewan when everybody's on the six-game injured list, but, you know. <laughs> Uh, speaking of injured lists, uh, let's talk about some injuries uh, before we head into this week's uh, schedule. Weston Dressler will be back this week. Uh, Lamar Durant for Calgary. He's still questionable with the ankle injury, and they're on bye next week, so they might give him that extra week to uh, rest. As yep. for six-game injured lists, uh, Jameel Smith from Ottawa, Trayvon Van from Ottawa, Tyrell Sutton from Montreal, Terrence Tolliver from Hamilton, all on the six-game injured list, S.J. Green out for the year, and Jeremiah Johnson is going to miss the upcoming game. It looks like Anthony Allen is going to be the starter this week, but Montreal, it's... <laughs> wow. It, that the ship's going down. in Montreal. <laughs> well, we had, you had said last week, I said once the injuries pile up, uh, then you know what? It's going to be rough there, and you said it's going to be a lot of injuries. Well, uh, Deron Carter, I know he's he's suspended, but he'll miss next week. And Tyrell Sutton, their leading rusher, and S.J. Green, they're gone for quite some time. So I hope we haven't seen the last of S.J. What is he, 31 years old now? Yeah, and he's been – it's just a shame because I was able to get him late in a couple of drafts, and now he's out for the year, and that didn't take very long. Yeah, you have to – yeah, no, you're right. You, I almost think that you jinxed the Montreal Alouettes. I hope he can make it back, but as you alluded to, that age is starting to get a little, starting to get a little up there. Well, the PCL, the ACL, the MCL, the BCL, the ZCL, the meniscus, all of it got wrecked in his knee. So uh, it's that, not that's often a you lot. see a guy come back from such a colossal kind of knee injury. And it looked like such a. They all do. They, it looked like such an innocent thing where you just banged his knee that's what it looked yep. like to me and th- then he was done so that's that that's sad he's one of the stars in this league so i do hope that he can make it back next uh year uh let's get to uh, the fantasy expose talk uh, talking last week's game first it is getting waxed brazilian tie hey it's brazilian tie back after a week off for another edition of getting waxed here on the two and out cfl podcast now, there's more than a couple things to pick on this week, such as Jerome Carter, the poorest Montreal defense, or the fact that Hamilton only mustered up three points against BC at home on Friday night. Wait, that last one. Should we really pick on it? In true two-and-out fashion, I think it should be celebrated. BC ended up winning the game 28-3, with Sean Gore catching four of his five targets for 116, while Jeremiah Masoli went 26-39 for 248 with two picks, but the real story here was a tie cats kicking game. Brett Maher had three attempts from 37, 41, and 48, and missed all three. Not only did he miss all three, he was able to get two for Rouges and add another one punting. 
The greatest play in the CFL was all Hamilton could muster for offense. All that being said, no tie catch receiver went for over 70 yards, and they only had 49 yards on the ground throughout the night. The kick return game was almost non-existent with Speedy B back there, but that's the joy of the CFL. Three single points to break a shutout? Gotta love it. You can find me on Twitter at Brazilian underscore tie. If you want some random updates throughout the games or just some weird nonsensical rants at times, feel free to make fun of me. It's not like Travis and John hold back when they get the chance. Until next time, keep your wax hot and your strips clean. Now back to Travis and John and the 2 and Out CFL podcast. Time for the Fantasy Expose on the 2 and Out podcast. All right, I guess we start with Ottawa in Montreal for Montreal's home opener. And I think we've talked a lot about this game already with Deron Carter, SJ Green, and Tyrell Sutton. Uh, yeah. And I stacked uh, Alouettes in uh, my... <laughs> Draft Kings this week. Uh, Glenn left the field for a bit with an ankle injury, and I'm thinking, no. Then SJ Green goes down. Then Sutton got hurt. <laughs> I did not have a good week in Draft Kings, to say the very least. It was a little below average for you, wasn't it? It uh, very below. You did okay. Yeah, I actually uh, I played a uh, I played a triple up a five dollar triple up and ended up uh, taking home some uh, cold hard cash, which is. Uh, you know, it's always uh, pretty good if you can make your first ever DraftKings uh, winning. I went, uh, you know what, I, I just, I, where was my lineup? I had a picture of my lineup in here someplace, but uh, the big one for me was uh, was Trevor Harris. Uh, that was the big one. I actually won that. See, the the most amazing thing of that, of that triple-up win for me, Travis, is the fact that I didn't have Chris Williams, and I started S.J. Green, and S.J. Green got hurt. That's crazy to me. He got nothing. Yeah, literally zero, but I also had Andrew Harris from Winnipeg, so he bailed me out big time there. Trevor Harris, uh, as I alluded to, 20 out of 26, three touchdowns, 395, also added 15 yards with his legs. Uh, Travon Van would have been a good pick, but now he's on the six-game injured list, uh, 12 for 86. Meanwhile, Keenan LaFrance, which... He came in, he's a former Manitoba Bison who came in 13 for 52 yards, so he's another guy to keep your eye on if if the recycled Hamilton Tiger Cats don't exactly work out. Chris Williams was incredible again, 7 for 187. He's almost becoming worth the money every single week in, yeah. in DraftKings. I mean, he's just he's he's the main folks there often, but another guy you can get who's seeing a pile of targets and making a ton of catches is Bradsonopoly, 5 for 105. He's he's going to start because he's Canadian. He's going to start a lot. And he seems to have developed some great chemistry with both Henry Burris and Trevor Harris. And he's only, and he's actually pretty affordable when it comes to your uh, to DraftKings. I find him as uh, sort of the Andy Fantuz type when Fantuz was, uh, you know, about eight, seven or eight years ago. He... Yep. he Sinopoli is one less target and only one less catch than uh, Chris Williams. He's not going to get the big play, but uh, I think Rod Black calls him Mr. Second Down. He's that uh, reliable g- receiver that uh, Trevor Harris is going to find in Ottawa, and he's he had his breakout last year, and it looks like it's continuing well into uh, this year. He's catching 93% of his uh, balls, and he has 100 uh, yak already, so he's, he's off to a great start uh, this season. As for Montreal. Now it's it's pretty well the Nick Lewis game. If you're looking for a receiver to start, like you said, SJ Green's out. Tyrell Sutton's out. Of course, he is a running back, but he catches a lot of passes out of the backfield. Deron Carter's going to be suspended. We're going to see if Kenny Stafford and, and Sam Jaguar have anything left, but Nick Lewis just continues to truck on Kevin Glenn. 
decent night, 259, 1-1 on 26-41. Uh, rushing again, Montreal not having a lot of success. Brandon Rutley came in, three carries for 11 yards. That's not so bad. Uh, Tyrell Sutton, eight for 39. But again, Montreal doesn't seem to be liking to run the ball this year. So I would I would stay away from Montreal running backs until somebody has a big game. I do think next week that uh, we need to watch for Kenny Stafford. He, for some reason, uh, he hasn't really been able to connect with Kevin Glenn. So far, he's got 15 targets, and he's only uh, made, what, eight catches. So uh, I, I see him moving into slot back. And him and Lewis are going to be the leading receivers uh, for Montreal once they're back from by. And I think Stafford has uh, a lot of potential. And he probably will come pretty sh- pretty cheap when Montreal's back. Yeah, you, you can probably pick him up uh, on on DraftKings for cheap. Maybe your last fill-in kind of guy that's seen some targets, getting some balls thrown his way as well. You can probably get him cheap in fantasy right now if you need a guy to just to start. Yeah, uh, the Red Blacks win that game 28-13. Uh, I would love to see Keenan LaFrance get the start for Ottawa this week. I do think it's going to be Moses Madu, though. Uh, it's always nice to see those former CIS guys get the start, but sadly, uh, I, I don't think he will. It's just uh, just how it works, because he looked good. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he did, and he looked good when he was playing at the University of Manitoba, I tell you what. Yeah, yeah, he did, so <laughs> that, that would be awesome to see him. And of course, if you're good, if you're gonna stack anybody right now, it should be red red blacks. I mean, you look at what they're doing: nine hundred thirty eight passing yards, two hundred rushing <laughs> yards already on the year. Thanks to Brazilian Ty for compiling a lot of these stats we're talking about. We're talking including the returning yards. They're two hundred and two hundred and nine clear of the next place team, which is Winnipeg. Which again, you don't think the Winnipeg's had a real high powered offense this year, but if you include their returns, they're eleven forty essentially all purpose yards. Uh, but again, if you look at traditional passing and rushing, Ottawa leads the league 1,138 yards. Winnipeg 825. Calgary's behind them right now at 799. And of course, uh, Saskatchewan Edmonton currently sitting in last, but of course they've only played one game. Yeah, Winnipeg's got a lot of fourth quarter stats, but those all count the same in fantasy, man. <laughs> that's what that's what won me. That's that's what won me the. Uh, uh, that that's absolutely what won me some money uh, as well. Another guy to look at uh, on this kind of a side here as we're talking total stats uh, right now, Chris Williams is averaging 218 all purpose yards per game. Got to think Kendall Lawrence. He had himself 180 all purpose yards in one game, primarily off of kick returns. I know you don't really score a bunch until he busts one, but there's a guy to keep an eye out on. Uh, let's go to uh, Regina, where uh, Kendall Lawrence is playing. He only had two carries uh, on the rushing side of things, but uh, I think they can get him involved in the passing game a little bit more. The Argos end up beating the Riders here, and I, I do need to make a little bit of a, uh, uh, I guess, a confession here. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> on the podcast, they picked Saskatchewan. The day of the game, I had a change of heart and picked Toronto. <laughs> How dare you? You is are that not a, allowed to do that. Is that a podcast offside? You even played Experience Regina. Well, I know, and I actually text uh, Tyrell, and I, I was really thinking about changing my pick. And Why, why didn't you text me? Because I knew it would be wrong. Because <laughs> you knew it, I wouldn't allow it. And I, I don't know why I take Ty's advice, but he said, no, you play to win the game. So I switched my pick, and... Toronto did win 30 to 17 so I, I, I did have to come th- clean I'm sorry I hate you 
Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> you are the worst human being on planet Earth right now. <laughs> uh, Darian Durant has probably the quietest 300-yard game ever. Yeah, it didn't. He threw. He had to chuck it a lot. I don't think they they really were mu- able to establish much in the run game. Curtis Steele, ten for sixty one. He really seemed to come on late in that game. I uh, actually thought he ran hard and he looked pretty good uh, to me. Yeah, I was just a little surprised that that you didn't see him a lot more. But again, mm-hmm. they were trailing essentially fourteen to nothing before the yeah. time you could even blink, right? So you're going to have to air it out. Durant throws it fifty times. That offense is going to run through him three ten and a touchdown on the night that you're right. He didn't look all that dominant. Curtis Steele, the leading rusher, ten for sixty one, as you mentioned. Kendall Lawrence, hundred and eighty all purpose yards, but only five of those coming uh, rushing wise. Rob Bag. Five for 38 uh, with a long of 16. Ricky Collins, by the way, he's a guy that right now he's going for about three grand on DraftKings. He had six targets. He had as many as Rob Bag. Well, let's talk about Naaman Roosevelt, though. I do think Ricky Collins could have a very nice season. Roosevelt had 15 targets. This week he's going up against that Edmonton secondary that looked... <laughs> it. <laughs> Horrible. So so against yeah against Ottawa. So Roosevelt might be a very nice play this week. He had nine catches for 113 yards against Toronto. Well, my my only fear with Saskatchewan this weekend is if Labatt's out and Best is out and St. John is thrown into duty. Your offensive line is down two of the best in the game with injury, and you're going to be starting a raw rookie. You're right, that secondary looked a little shaky against Ottawa, but that was against a healthy offensive line. I think that defensive line is going to be breathing down Darian Durant's neck. I think they're going to be coming. They're going to be coming with fire the whole game. They're going to have him under pressure. So I don't know. I'd be a little, just a little weary. See, that's why I'm going, I'm not starting Naaman Roosevelt this week, just because I think if your quarterback's having a bad game because he's getting smacked to the mouth the whole game because the offensive line is shaken up, your receivers aren't going to have a a great game. I am starting Ricky Collins only based on the fact going, you know what, he's so cheap on a guy that's got six targets, four catches. It's a home run play for sure. It's it, for sure. It's a home run play. He scores, and you're looking like a genius out of a three or four thousand dollar receiver, right? But that's that would be my only reluctance to to make name and Roosevelt an auto start this week. But again, we might not find out till the day of the game if a guy like Brendan Labatt is is playing, right? So that's the one to keep an eye on. If they're going to have, you know what? If they're going to have some some healthy bodies there on the offensive line, I start Roosevelt. If not. I, I wouldn't. Another guy that that has quickly fallen out of the auto start category for me is also Ricky Ray. I've got him in one of my fantasy leagues. He was thirteen to twenty two. Doesn't look again. This is partially because they were up fourteen to nothing quick, but I didn't think he looked extremely crisp. He did throw for two touchdowns. Brandon Whitaker showing signs of life. Eleven for forty. And yeah, Vidal Hazelton, the the highest receiver, two for sixty nine and a touchdown. Andre Dury with a short touchdown as well, one catch, five yards, and it was for a major. Hazelton seems to be the guy that's emerging out of the big three from last year. I know yep. Elliott was hurt, but Hazelton is seeming like the favorite receiver of Ricky Ray last year and uh, or right now. And Ray, at times, he, he you'll see the glimpse of the, the Hall of Fame quarterback that he is. Mm. And then sometimes he just doesn't 
look like the same guy uh, anymore. As for Darian Duran, I thought he started the game good, but I, I was listening to the post game show on a 620 CKRM, and uh, uh, Michael Ball and uh, Mike McCullough made the point that. Maybe Durant was just tired. He hasn't played a full game of football since what September 2014. No, and 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 you got to look too. He looked like he was limping or something throughout the game. Whether that was a cramp or a mild strain or something, there's no fears that he's going to miss the game. But no, that's a really good point there by Ballsy. That uh, you're right. It's been a long time since he's been in that situation under the lights. Well, and maybe the Achilles is just getting a little bit sore. I don't think it's anything to be concerned about, uh, but it hasn't been put in a full game situation since he got hurt last year. So uh, I think he'll get stronger as the year goes on as long as he can uh, stay healthy. And if there are two or three starters missing this week, uh, we'll see what Mike Benavides does because against uh, Ottawa, they didn't blitz at all. No. I, I think it would be Dumb if they didn't blitz Saskatchewan at all, but uh, I, think, I don't know I if think he's it would listening. Be prudent with the inexperience of the offensive line, I should mention that that we Curtis Steele didn't have a pile of rushing yards. We kind of glazed over him. He did have uh, mm-hmm. five grabs for fifty-four yards. Uh, he was targeted ten times though on that. So they want to use. It seems like they want to use him out of the backfield. It's just a question of if he's going to come up with it. Yeah, and he, uh, he he looked like he was running hard, a lot harder than I expected. Uh, uh, before the year, I said he's just a mediocre guy, and he may still be your average uh, run-of-the-mill, uh, I guess, running back, but he, he played with a lot of heart, I think, against uh, Toronto, and that Ryder defense, so much better. Oh, already vastly improved. Like I said, we're talking about a game that they lost. I mean, they they allowed a couple big plays and they went down early. But I mean, that's a completely different ball game if there's not the mistake where the short yardage fumble, the the short yardage fumble yeah. from uh, Moniz is somehow returned for a touchdown, which is again a play you almost never see. <laughs> um, but we did see it, and uh, that was the difference in that game. Okay, let's go to the donut box where the Lions beat the Tiger Cats 28-3. to I ask you, John, what is Jeremiah Mazzoli? Oh, a young, inconsistent quarterback. Yeah, I think that's exactly with, with, what he with is. A, with a pile of upside. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's proven he's got the upside, but this BC Lions defense all of a sudden is looking like it's got a little more teeth than it has had in past years. They are the highest-rated defense right now in terms of points per game on DraftKings. Uh, they're looking pretty good, i got to say. So they made uh, Jeremiah Masoli look pretty human. 248, no touchdowns, two picks. Rushing-wise, even speaking of looking human, C.J. Gable just 7 for 48. And as I said... Look for the veteran guys to do more in in Hamilton. Again, not a great passing performance. Luke Tasker, 7 for 70. Chad Owen, 6 for 69. Andy Fantu, 7 for 57. And again, they weren't able to get C.J. Gable activated out of the backfield. That's normally a great spot for him, which is why I started him in a couple of leagues. Just couldn't get anything going. And again, Brandon Banks, almost a non-factor unless he's returning the ball. Chad Owens, another one of those guys. He's got 22 targets on the season. He's the only guy that's played two games that has uh, averaging more than do- or double-digit targets throughout the first couple games. But he's he's only been able to connect with Mazzoli on about half of those plays, whether he's being uh, you know overthrown or but so. I think Mazzoli is going to continue to rely on Chad Owens, and it's almost it seems like a 
because last year was nothing for uh, Owens, and uh, he he just wasn't involved in the offense anymore in Toronto. He was banged up, but this year he's playing with a chip on his shoulder, and he seems like the guy. I, I do think Fantuz is looking okay uh, as well. He had seven catches for 57 yards, but Owens continues to be the guy in Hamilton, and I think this week against Winnipeg, it's not a bad pick. Yes, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think Owens, to me, is more of a guy, especially you mentioned the targets. Like, he's getting looked at a lot, and he'll oh, get yeah. looked at a lot with Zach Caleros when he comes back. It's just, to me, Owens, when we're speaking of fantasy, this is the time to go and get Chad Owens if you can, because I expect bigger numbers, just based off those number of targets, when yeah. he has a better quarterback throwing him the ball. You know, it's just, whenever you're relying on an inconsistent young quarterback, you don't know what's going to happen to Winnipeg. Winnipeg's defense has not been great this year, in fact. They've almost become one of the teams that you're assuredly to start against. I mean, you look at what the, what Winnipeg is giving up. Uh, they're giving up 321 rush yards a game, 641 passing yards a game. That is third worst in the CFL. Um, so they're in the kind of the halfway point in, in terms of defense. Yeah, I just you know what I think they can make Mazzoli look human and a young quarterback. I always have a hard, a hard time hitching my wagon to a young guy like that. So it'll, it'll be tough to see. That being said. I'm expecting some nice things out of Jonathan Jennings this week. 16 for 27, 228 and a touchdown. Jeremiah Johnson goes down the starting running back in BC. And he's replaced by Anthony Allen, a guy who was not played more of a numbers game than anything. Because when the Riders decided to go with Jerome Messam over Anthony Allen, it was because Messam was Canadian, right? That gave them Mm -hmm. that ratio-breaking ability Allen is American, so he didn't really see the field because you can't just freely substitute those two. You got to make a ratio change someplace else. So I think he's going to have a nice game. Another guy to keep an eye out, out for is Shaquille Murray Dash Lawrence, as an f- old friend of mine Corey would say. <laughs> he, he once he once drafted a, a fantasy team of j- just just guys by name. Yeah, we did like- an NFL draft in our buddy's basement, yep. and anyone that had a hyphen picked. Corey took him, including, well, which is funny because he took Maurice Jones dash Drew. Um, when he was good. When he was good. So, I mean, it was a decent pick, but I have a feeling that uh, we would be sitting in the basement doing a CFL draft and hear Shaquille Murray dash Lawrence. <laughs> he didn't look that good. He had three carries uh, or three. Um, uh, three yards per carry uh, on the game. And actually, uh, Simone Lawrence kind of went off on him on Twitter. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> no, I didn't. You're, remember, you're the guy who finds all the Twitter beefs. Oh, poor, poor Shaquille Murray Lawrence. He basically posted a video of his touchdown. Uh, I, I think it's his first career touchdown. So obviously, yep. he was very excited about it. And then uh, Simone ended up... Uh, tweeting that and he said highlight of your career you're a sucker you forever gonna be an 80 grand player you clown focus on being consistent wow <laughs> that is a verbal beatdown. there's no coming back from that that is like he just he just he, that was just drake to meek mill right there that was unbelievable so he was not happy about uh, losing uh, twenty-eight to three uh, to the BC Lions <laughs> at, at all. I I am rolling with BC's defense this week against Toronto at home. Yep, so am I. Uh, I I think that is such a uh, s- s- 
it seems like uh, the obvious play this week. Another guy I'm watching in BC is Sean Gore. I'm fascinated by how he's doing so far. His re- this, he's a Wally Buono guy, and he's getting plays called for him. This is, yeah, the best he's done in years, and it might be because Lavelle Hawkins ended up retiring. I think he was going to be the big guy this year in BC other than uh, the Manny show, but Gore is looking great so far. Yep, he's had a pile of targets. He's had a, a great start so far. Uh, you look at Sean Gore, four for 116. Uh, no touchdowns, but lots of yards, lots of points for you no matter what you're playing. All right, let's go uh, Let's go to Cowtown, <sighs> Winnipeg, and uh, Calgary. Uh, this game, uh, I, I was in Banff for Canada Day enjoying the festivities. I forgot to set the PVR. So this is a fresh game for me. I only watched it yesterday. Found it on uh, YouTube. Uh, Marshall Ferguson pointed me in the right direction. So this is really uh, fresh for me. Uh, can, we, can we? Okay. Do you, do you I want, think the number one issue. For, do you want? For it, me, do you want? Do you want this first, or do you want, do you want to go through the stats first? Well, let's let's go through the stats first. Now let's talk about the issue in Winnipeg. I don't know about you. I think the biggest issue there is that there's just no emotion. Uh, and Glenn you Suter, no, it's not. It's it's. I don't know what the hell it is, Travis. It's just, well, well, Glenn Suter pointed it out throughout the game. Uh, Macho Harris had that huge hit. Nobody, the team wasn't fired up about it. Uh, Trent Corny ends up getting his first career sack. He's the only guy that cares. Now contrast that to Rob Maver's uh, coffin corner punt at the end of the game, and the entire Stampeder sideline is going nuts. They're like, this it's, is it's, awesome. It's be, it's because it's because every Winnipeg fan and every Winnipeg player and everybody that has to do with the Blue Bombers right now has seen the <laughs> before. They walk in to no matter where they're playing, whether it's Investors Group Field, whether it's a, a road stadium, no matter where it is, and it's the exact same thing. They're down early at halftime, so. Of course, the players aren't going to have any emotion because it's 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 a matter of going. Oh, here we go again. It's the same thing that I'm feeling. And you know what? Before we get into the stats, I'm just going to let you hammer through the stats because I am officially Travis. I'm not kidding. After that game, I was out of town. One of the first things I did yesterday, I unpacked the van, got everything unloaded here from the house. I took every piece of bomber's gear I have, and I put in a box, and I put in the basement. I'm just done. As a fan, I'm done. I've seen it. You're right. They're not playing with emotion. The the team is 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 rot to its core. They're just it's the same movie I've seen over and over and over again. Down twenty to seven at halftime, and you give up sixteen points in the third quarter, and yo, oh, you scored fifteen in garbage time. Who cares? I mean, it's just I'm just I'm done. I'm I'm exhausted being their fan, and I can't I can't do it anymore. I legitimately cannot do it anymore. And I, I put I put my stuff in a box. It's in my basement. And I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I I don't know. I might just stay down there. And this is why I said your man card is getting revoked. You know what? I'm one of these guys that's a fan of the league now. I don't, like, I'm not switching teams. I just, I enjoy watching CFL football. I do. I enjoy doing this podcast with you. I enjoy doing fantasy. I enjoy a lot of things of the CFL game. I enjoy Grey Cups. I just... I, I just, I just, I just can't do it. I can't be a fan of theirs anymore. 
I I can't. I'm just I'm I'm done. I'm sick of making an event to watch their games. I'm still going to watch the games. Maybe next time you and I go to a Grey Cup, I'll wear their stuff because I'll have nothing else. Or maybe I'll borrow a jersey of yours. It doesn't really matter by this point. I'm just that disheartened as a fan of the Blue Bombers that it's just it's done. It's done. I renounce my fandom, and I'm not jumping on another bandwagon. I've put a lot of thought into this. You know what? I'm just I'm I'm done. I'm done. I am done with Winnipeg. For all the issues in uh, Winnipeg, I know they're mostly garbage time. Uh, Drew Willie is actually second in the league in passing yards, second in the league in completions, but he's uh, the quarterback that's been sacked the most uh, eight times, uh, while Ricky Ray has been sacked uh, seven times. So, yeah, Drew Willie, 32 of 44 for 358 yards with two touchdowns. That's not a bad day if you had uh, him in fantasy. Uh, As for Andrew Harris, he had eight carries for 13 yards rushing. That's not going to get it done. In the passing game, he had nine receptions for 87 yards, and I actually think... I don't know why. It seems like the Bombers don't get Andrew Harris involved early in the game. It's because that's so Winnipeg. It's just that's what they do. They just they have something there and they just go, oh, well, whatever. We're going to screw this up, too. Do, like, does does it seem to you that Andrew Harris doesn't get involved early enough? They, they just start passing it to him every play when they're down 26? I don't know. I've I, I it's the I, they just suck. <laughs> there's, there's nothing else they play without emotion and they're terrible no matter how many names they bring in it's it's just something is flawed there and something continues to be flawed i mean the mac and uh, like the joe mac era i've even blasted it several times but now the kyle walters and mike o'shea era is just as bad by record they're now worse than the joe mac era wow so, again, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Thomas Mayo ended up getting the start because Dressler uh, was out five catches for 78 yards. He may not make it on the roster this week with Dressler back. Darvin Adams, he's, a, I guess, a bright spot on the offense, I think. Uh, seven catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Jace Davis, five catches, 49 yards, and a touchdown. I do think he will stay on the roster and continue to make plays, even with Dressler back. Uh, Ryan Smith, five catches for uh, 73 yards. Uh, even uh, Justin Medlock, I think, is uh, he's not the kicker he was now that he's in Winnipeg. No, he just got the curse of the blue and gold, apparently. Like, the most accurate kicker in CFL history goes to Winnipeg. And and I know that everybody was really excited about Paul Lapolice. Is Does he need to shake off the rust? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think... I don't know what you change. You've changed coaches. You've changed OCs. You've changed general managers. You've changed quarterbacks. You've changed offensive linemen. You've changed running backs. You've changed receiver. You've changed defensive coordinators. You've changed defenses. And the same thing just keeps happening. I don't know. I, I As an observer and as a fan, I'm just out of answers. Maybe, maybe, we, should, maybe we should call up a guy like Darren Bombing next week. Yeah. And... I, I, This is funny because I actually think that the Bombers have a real shot at beating Hamilton this week. If if Jeremiah, you're on glue, dude. You thought if Jeremiah Mazzoli, you're on glue. They uh, they won't beat Hamilton. They won't beat Hamilton at the Donut Box. Not a chance. You don't think so? No, not a chance. Games in Winnipeg, I give them a puncher's chance. Not not in Hamilton. 
like you do you look at the schedule and you think that there's a realistic shot that the Bombers are like 0 and 8? Yes. You look at you look at the way they start this season. They do not start this season easy at all. No, they don't. And but you know who they don't play in those first six games? They don't play BC. They don't play Toronto. It's not like those teams are easy either. No, but uh, and no team is easy this year. But you had to beat Montreal. You had to, because that to me is the easiest matchup you're seeing. Again, I'm not super high on Edmonton in Week Four. I think that one's a coin toss, but then you got to see Calgary again, got to see Edmonton again, got to see Hamilton again, and then you go at Toronto. So by week eight, you could still be winless because you couldn't get the job done against Montreal. I think they split those games with Edmonton. Still, we're I'm, optimistically, you're talking two wins, and I think that's when changes come in week eight when they're either two and six or one and seven. As for Calgary, uh, they finally get Messam involved. 16 carries, 137 yards. But Torrey Harrison uh, kind of poached a touchdown there. Uh, five carries for 40 yards. And uh, he had a catch for 10 yards as well. So Harrison might be a guy. I actually might have to start him in a fantasy league. And I'm actually okay with it because they seem to uh, be running with both running backs. Uh, I had all my eggs in the Trayvon Van basket. and, <laughs> and But now you need a guy who's a touchdown poacher. <laughs> yes, I do. So uh, fingers crossed for that. Uh, Markway McDaniel looks pretty good. Seven catches, 116 yards. But the kings of garbage time, uh, Winnipeg, might uh, <laughs> they might continue to put up garbage time uh, points all year long. You already saw Mark Fulton working on it with the garbage time you had d- you, uh, difference in yardage. It's pretty incredible. So, yeah, they might be a garbage time team that just comes up when, when they need them to. But, again, I'm just, yeah. Uh, in terms of being a fan, I'll still watch them. I'm just done being a fan. All right, let's get... <laughs> Let's get right to the picks, and hopefully uh, we smile. <laughs> it's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at 2 and Out CFL. <laughs> all right, I'm just going to say that I'm going with all the home teams this week. Oh, I'm not. Oh, okay. Let's, let's go one by one, then. We both... You know, I would not be shocked if the Bombers You're pull this game. You are, you are, you got to stop smoking crack before you do this podcast, Travis. <laughs> I'm not picking Winnipeg. What but the I hell did not... you put in that Slurpee you've been drinking all podcast? <laughs> well, if anybody knows Lower Fairview and Red Deer, you know what's probably in it. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I would not be shocked if Winnipeg wins, but I'm picking Hamilton. Play, play the Arkells. No way, Winnipeg oh. wins this. Okay. All right, the former Braley Bowl, uh, the second half of the doubleheader. Can, can we on still Thursday. call the Braley Bowl? Uh, well, I said the former B- B- Braley Bowl, but in like the, the the like in the memory of Braley's terrible okay. time of owning the Argos, can we still call it the Braley Bowl? I think so. Yeah, let's let's just call it that anyway. All right. So uh, the team that is still owned by Braley, the team that he obviously liked, um, I think they're going to pull it out. Um, who's our Vancouver pick again for music? Oh, we, we kind of rotated. There's so many options from BC. Yeah, I'll let you come up with it. All right. Uh, what do you say? Uh, I don't care. Let's play Trooper. 
Ooh. Yeah, I, I think uh, the line. Actually, my great cup pick. Uh, I posted my uh, predictions on CFLPass.ca. It was going to be Lions and Tiger Cats and, and Bears. I, oh my! And I, I mean, once uh, once what's his name comes back, a Zach Caleros. What's suddenly, his- that looks like an all right prediction. <laughs> yeah, I think you're starting. I think you're you you might be onto something. I'm still interested to see how Jonathan Jennings uh, does the rest of the year. Uh, this is where I think this is where we we start to disagree. I think yeah, the Calgary right. Stampeders against a banged-up Ottawa team. Ottawa's a little nicked up right now. They're missing a few guys. They're starting Tristan Jackson, a guy who couldn't even stick around with the Riders this year after that abysmally bad season. I'm going to go with Calgary, which means spin me some dudes. Saturday, 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 Saturday night. I dream the Jets would get back the team and look why they got back the team. I think that Tristan Jackson is one of those guys that you remember Stefan Logan in BC every year it was rumored that he was going to get cut. Yep. And for, for what? Uh, because he's a, he's an internet or an import. He's an import. Uh and I think Tristan Jackson follows the the same same path. I, I mean, he's electrifying on uh kick returns and I think he's got he can still he can still bring it. So uh, I think I think he'll be uh, bringing a lot for uh, Ottawa on returns, but uh, I, th- I, think, me- I, th- I think it's Calgary. I just think that Ottawa's moving in way too many bodies. And and the thing is, too, is Jackson might have to take some defensive snaps, which is never good. I think Calgary starts to put it together. Messam had a very nice game. Uh, I think it's going to be high scoring, and I think Calgary's going to win in a shootout. Well, man, you almost won me over here. Because I, I think Messam's going to run all over Ottawa. I don't like Ottawa's defense. And uh, Calgary's defense is the the strongest one that Ottawa's going to run into this year. Uh, or so far. So, I'm still going Ottawa. <laughs> all right. Spin some Alanis. <laughs> Let's roll some Alanis. Right, the last game of the week, Friday Night Football, second half of the double-double, as I do have to give uh, props to Rod Smith for that. He was calling it a Canada Day double-double all last week. So You know what? I, I, I really I liked it. I almost wonder if he still listened to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> with, all the double, with all the double-double love. No. And, and, a couple, and a couple of those games to start were kind of sponsored by us because it was two and out after two and out after two and out. Yeah, Win- Winnipeg's the official team of the Tune Out Podcast, whether you're a fan of them or not. I am uh, not, and uh, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> I just I feel like you know what, like how after you hit that moment during a bad breakup, that all of a sudden you're like, I'm fine with this. I'm better off. This is me right now. You're over the hill. I am. I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> However, you in- maybe my mind is still clouded, and this this prediction is based off of nothing else. 
than the fact that I have a bet with Andrew from the Eskimo Empire podcast. Oh, no. For the Riders to finish ahead of the Eskimos, they probably got to beat them at least once or twice this year. I don't want to. Are, are you on glue? I might be. No, Well, okay, I have logic behind this. My logic being, I made a bold prediction, and I have to stand behind it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to wear and I don't want to wear Eskimo stuff in my profile pictures for a solid month, so let's go riders, play some sheepdogs. I'll be at the game, Pilsner in hand. More Pilsners if they are getting their ass kicked by the third quarter. <laughs> ah, last year I crunched the numbers and it was something like the Riders have nine wins. Oh, it's bad. It is in, really, really bad. And not only Edmonton, but Alberta. I know it, it's 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 not good, and I don't feel good about this pick. But I have to stick. To, I have to stick to my guns. I don't. I don't know how it works. Uh, whether it's Reggie Slack, Kent Austin, or Darian Durant at quarterback. <laughs> They suck when they go to Commonwealth Stadium. If they win, the, uh, might as well plan that parade down Albert Street. Uh, you might might as well. So, does this mean you're <laughs> gonna, going? To are you going to sing it or are you going to play it? I'm going to play it in respect for our uh, Eskimo Empire brethren. We're cheering, fight, fight, fight on Eskimos. We're marching right, right, right on Eskimos. We're charging down the field for all to see. And shouting, rah, 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 fight on to victory. All right, that does it for episode 42. Count them, 42 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. That's a lot. Uh, yeah, it is a lot, actually. Uh, before and, and we now, wrap up. And now up, people are paying us to do it, which is the crazier part. Yeah, thanks to Bomb Energy for uh, coming on and supplying us with uh, that uh, that oh-so-good energy drink. Uh, and, before, and money. Money is good. Yeah, it is. It's it's just so awesome. Uh, I love having coffee money in my uh, uh, ashtray in my truck. You know what's an easy way to really support this podcast? What? Before you sign up for DraftKings, come see us, and we'll send you an email address to refer you. Yeah, so we can make some free DraftKings money. I can blow it, and you can make money and buy me beers. <laughs> I think it's a plan. <laughs> awesome. That's episode 42 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. He's John Fraser. I'm Travis Curra. Follow on Twitter, like on Facebook, Two and Out CFL. We're on Google Play Music now. We're on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn. We're all over the world. It's global domination. Global Domination. <laughs> <laughs> like, review, and subscribe on iTunes, and we'll talk to you next week.